Hi, this is Phil Ehart, drummer for the band Kansas, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, y'all. I'm Charlie Daniels, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks, and it does. Hello and welcome to episode 320 of the Iron City Rocks podcast, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. I am your host, John, and in episode 320, we are joined by frontman and one of the uh, original members of the classic lineup of the Outlaws, Henry Paul, will be joining us on the show. Also, singer of the band Blackhawk, uh, for those of you who are into country music. Um, the Outlaws were in... Western PA doing a show at Mount in Mount Pleasant uh, back in September, and they're coming back in November on the 11th to do a show at the Pepsi Roadhouse out in Burgettstown, uh, which is right uh, just very, very close to where the uh, First Niagara Pavilion, or the venue formerly known as the First Niagara Pavilion, is located. So great chance to see a really great band. Uh, they have a new live album coming out on the exact same day. It's called Legacy Live, uh, which is a, a new recording from the band really kind of showcases the lineup that they're currently touring with. So I'm going to play you just a little snippet of uh, Greengrass from uh, The Outlaws and we'll get into the interview with Henry Paul. show from the band The Outlaws, Mr. Henry Paul. How are you doing today, Henry? I'm doing real good, John. You? 
I'm doing fantastic. Uh, you guys have a great new live album. I had a chance to listen to it over the weekend. Uh, two discs packed with all the Outlaw classics. Uh, and that comes out uh, on the 11th of November, if I'm not mistaken. And it happens to coincide with the same night you'll be in Burgettstown doing the Pepsi Roadhouse. So uh, great time to get a chance to talk to you guys. I want to talk about, um, you guys haven't done a ton of live albums. I mean, a lot of your contemporary artists seem to, you know, do a greatest hits or a live album almost annually. Um, you guys are a little more selective in putting out live records. Can you talk about why now was, was the right time? Well, <clears throat> you know, we, 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 we released a new studio record in 2012 and it was met with, you know, wide acceptance from our fan base mm-hmm. and of that record I mean it was a, a completely original self-written record and at this late date you know we had and still have sort of an agenda to try and personalize whatever we're going to write from here on out rather than play you know a major label radio friendly musical game of you know hunt and pack for a hit yeah that's a tough, uh, g- tough game to play <laughs> you can't I've tried you can't by the time you get there it's already passed you by but what we did is is we wanted to put this out you know I'm busy trying to write a, a follow up record the, the audience loves the band live <clears throat> excuse me and has been you know really I'm wanting this for a while. Uh, it just coincides with uh, a recently established relationship with a European label mm-hmm. who releases, you know, records in the United States and distributes them. And uh, I wanted to really get the band back to Europe uh, as well as put something out there that I thought the fans would enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and the record that we finished and are getting ready to release is uh, has a, a little bit more of an eclectic collection of songs from some of the bands more, you know, not mainstream sort of musical moments that are familiar to everyone that that happens to know of green grass and high tides sure. so i think in a respectful way we wanted to honor the musical legacy not only of Huey thomason uh but of billy jones and frank o'keefe and you know the f- three deceased members of the original group that uh that had a significant hand in our success and uh Myself and Monty, the two surviving original members of the band, wanted to uh, put something out there that gave the fans, uh, you know, access to some music that probably would have never been recorded live and and put out there, and also uh, some new songs, a couple of songs from Henry Paul Band, and just sort of a a diverse cross-section of material that would uh, represent the band that's out there performing as the Outlaws today and, and represent it honestly and, and fairly. Yeah, and one of the things that, that struck me, uh, kind of a guitar geek, um, you know, I think everyone know Yui, um, 
and the kind of legacy there. But the, the two guys you have on guitar now really, really shine on that record. And one of the things that I loved about it, listening to it, was almost you guys didn't go kind of go overboard with the left and the right stereo. But when you listen to the album on headphones, you can almost feel them playing in different parts of your head. Um, was was that intentional, or is it? Did, did you get involved with the production of the album? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, from start to finish, and and we did run the two guitar players left and right, but more center right, center left. In other words, it wasn't a hard pan. Yeah, I remember the first couple, two or three records we made. It was very fashionable at that time to separate the two lead instruments and uh, separate them like drastically. And I, I thought, you know, as you're going down the road in the car and you're bopping in the passenger seat, it would be nice to hear the whole thing. Yeah. <clears throat> I also, uh, you know, I felt like where we put the lead guitars in the mix, you know, was was uh, respectful to the guys, to Chris Anderson and to Steve Grisham. Mm-hmm. And these are two guys that have played in the Outlaws Longer than some of the original members, and uh, yeah, yeah. Both while these guys the go back. five of us that <clears throat> while the five of us that invented the band and the sound and the musical personality are, and some of which are gone, these guys understand it and they and they do their homework. They play squarely into uh, some of the great performances from the past, and they and they carry the ball very well in the in the other areas. Uh, the Grey Ghost mm-hmm. and so long uh, musical personality is really strong and all the material off the more recent record is, is done very well so you know it's just our our goal was to try and put new relevant music out there and and put something out there in the way of a live record for the time being that would that would have you know purpose and and be respectful Sure. Now, do you guys record a lot of shows, or was this was this? Did you set out that night to record this show? You know, kind of full on. You know, no, we record. <laughs> uh, I recorded twenty five or thirty shows, but you know, when we got back, when the engineer Travis and I got back into the studio, and we started to review the performances, uh, two of the shows, most importantly, just outshined everything, and I couldn't for the life of me. Uh, figure out what was going on on that particular evening in both cases. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, music is a mysterious thing and a very um, you know, sort of a, a whimsical uh, entity. And there, were, there was a night or two where Monty just was totally sounded brilliant and the guitar players didn't miss a lick and the whole thing just fell into place. So we used the majority of the record <coughs> performances. I remember one being out in western, western New York State and one being from Florida. We pulled two or three other songs from a couple different venues, but sonically it all lined up. Yeah. And, uh, and the audience response was consistent. And I, I just, I just, honestly, I was, I was stunned because we had, the one thing we knew we did not want to use was outside performances. We wanted to keep it on in, in a you know a twenty five hundred to three thousand seat hall, right? And so we had to exclude outdoor performances from the standpoint of ambience. But uh, I don't know. The guys got lucky on a couple nights and really uh, really yeah. put a made it easy for us to do our job. Sure. Now, do you find? Um 
the band um do you have different parts of the country that did the band has a bigger draw in is that or is the internet kind of level oh. the playing field no not at all there's areas where the band plays very strong in the northeast uh a certain extent the Midwest Florida the deep south is a little bit of no man's land the west is there and we've always done well in the west but it's it's not as strong mm-hmm. and it's so expensive to go west so we're really trying hard to put a, a good run together for next year for the west coast and uh, the northwest but uh, the band definitely plays better in the in the northeast yeah, it does seem that um, you know the cost of touring is has become kind of prohibitive to a lot of bands. When you mention that about the West, you know cities are so much further apart. Um, you know it is tough. Um, the the kind of rise in popularity, obviously you're familiar more intimately, but the the rise in popularity of country music over the last 25 years or so has that helped the band with the you know the kind of Sounds you guys have. I mean, you, you do kind of lean in the country direction. You know, is, is well. I think it's helped country music. I, I think that the the groundwork by Charlie Daniels or maybe the Outlaws or mm-hmm. certainly uh, Dickie Betts' contribution to uh, the Allman Brothers later as a songwriter. Those those kinds of things. Toy Caldwell's contribution to Marshall Tucker as a songwriter. Uh, they they I, 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 and Leonard Skinner. I mean, with all. Uh, due respect to their heavier rock and roll personality I know Ronnie was a, a devout fan of Jimmy Rogers and Merle Haggard mm-hmm. and he had if he was alive today I, I I would almost bet that he would would have by now made a, a country music record uh, but but those influences from those bands from that musical time frame of the quote unquote southern rock musical uh, phenomena you know did play squarely into the consciousness of uh, the conscience of, of, of a lot of contemporary country performers and you know the days of George Jones and growing up on uh, you know on traditional country music from Roy Acuff forward I think you'd have to have lived in a different you know place and time to not be <clears throat> influenced by Sure. The Beatles, the Birds, the Buffalo Springfield, Bob Dylan, you know, eventually, you know, uh, all these other great bands, the Elmer Brothers. So I think country music has benefited uh, from bands like Poco and benefited from bands like the Eagles. And I think that while the country music landscape today uh, falls a little short sometimes lyrically, uh, the musical character of a lot of those bands' contributions to country music, contemporary country music, I think, are, are extremely important. Mm-hmm. Now, um, can I ask you uh, anything new in the Blackhawk camp while we're t- while we're talking? Well, <clears throat> I'm not sure I understand your question, but I mean, do you guys have any material in the works there? I know you mentioned a new album. Oh yeah, yeah. We're, you know what? I wanted to cut a Christmas record, and I didn't want to cut the kind of Christmas record a lot of times that people make, you know, with, you know, Come All You Faithful and Jingle Bells and, you know, mm-hmm. Rudolph. I, I wanted to make, I wanted to go in and let the music 
be front and center and make these three, four, five minute interpretations of these classic Christmas songs, Silent Night, and, you know, just no contemporary candy, just sure. spiritual and Christian and and you know more weighted lyrical subject matter mm-hmm. and in the record I, I got so busy this year that I couldn't finish it it'll be out next year but the record is going to be you know 50-60 minutes long with these Gregorian sort of vocal arrangements and just something uniquely different that I think people will love to have in their homes during the holidays we also Dave and I have a great collection of new material that we've written to record a new Blackhawk studio record, something we haven't done in a few years. So the Blackhawk thing is very challenging because the fans, while they're very passionate about the band and really supportive of Blackhawk, they, uh, I don't know, they they don't seem to be as, uh, they really need to be held uh, sort of and led to the new musical issues because that format is so top 40 driven without that recognizability of a song you you sometimes find yourself singing to no one but yeah and that's just the the downside of having hit records is that you you know you play into that format and people it's not like a Dan Fogelberg album when you buy an album you go home and you marvel at his entire body of work it's like goodbye says it all looms very large in that band's musical repertoire right do the um when you were kind of you know getting into music as as a youngster um was your voice obviously and the style of the outlaws is is kind of unique in in the really in any of the kind of rock of that era you guys had such harmonies um, what guy was that? Something you guys set out? You know, we want to incorporate this into the sound we have, or was it just kind of a natural progression of how you wrote? Well, it was definitely something I think that we all saw the same way. We, Huey, myself, Monty, Billy, Frank, we were all very big fans of the Buffalo Springfield. Okay. And I thought in a lot of ways the Outlaws sort of mirrored that group from an influence standpoint. I mean, I sort of took on the Richie Ture personality. Huey took on the Stephen Stills personality. Billy certainly took on the Neil Young personality. But there was a very similar sort of uh, parallel that could be drawn between the Springfield and, and the Outlaws. If you took that, and we all knew the Springfield's musical catalog and sang their songs in clubs, but if you took that and you added the advent of the Almond Brothers guitar style, which right. hit us all over the head like a hammer, then it was kind of like the Outlaws sang like the Eagles and played like the Almonds. Yeah, and that's a- it. Was a weird <laughs> it was a really weird what would you call it, sort of a hybrid version of both those groups. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know, when I was listening to your album the other day, I was actually thinking, these guys are kind of like, it's almost like the 
Beach Boys and Leonard Skinner morph together, but your analogy I think is even better, you know, with the almonds, um, because of the sound, because it is, you know, it's kind of unique, you know, when you, you know, you go back and you, and you revisit the catalogs of, of some bands that you know they're hits, but mm-hmm. you, you know, you listen to all the songs, you hear, why well, these guys really layered so beautifully, you know, and the, the well, and I have to say, the current band has five really mm. good singers. On this live album, you hear my big, you know, you hear my voice and you hear Chris Anderson's voice, but <clears throat> there are three other very good singers, and I, I expect us to open that door a little wider for those mm. other people. I know on the new studio record that we made in 2012, there were three lead singers. The Outlaws always had three different voices, and that was a very... Springfield and a very Beatle S mm-hmm. thing rather than a singular lead singer and yeah. one voice. But I love the diversity that that means. And honestly, as a lead singer, it gives me a little chance to regroup during the yeah. show because there's a lot of honking going on up there. But think about this if I'm singing the melody and Dave and Chris Anderson are singing low harmony and Steve Grisham and Randy Freed are singing the high harmony and we're putting the low and high part in unison times two, uh, all of a sudden now the outlaws have this giant, much bigger vocal uh, personality than we had as a five-piece group with three singers. Sure. Yeah, and that gives you, you know, as a songwriter, you can go in so many different directions and even, you know, multiple singers. You know, you mentioned lead vocals. So many different exactly. colors you can paint with there. That's that's a wonderful. Exactly, and I mean, gosh, you're not in. The, you know, if you're not in the game of trying to, you know, reach the top of the charts, if you're just in it for the music and you just want to give everybody a chance to have a good time and make it worthwhile to them, why wouldn't you give them the microphone and send them out there to enjoy themselves and have the fun and put themselves out there? That's as a band leader, I mean, I see it like that, and I uh, and I embrace the diversity and the opportunity for these guys because, I mean, this is not. This is about trying to really put a honest and, and really beautiful uh, touch to a band that's been through some pretty ugly shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just, well, it comes off great on the new album again. Legacy Live comes out uh, in November. Uh, you guys are going to be in Burgettstown at the Pepsi Roadhouse in November, uh, and we will look for the, the new Blackhawk in 2017. Henry, it's been a, an honor talking to you. I really appreciate your time, man. All right, well, thanks for the groovy time, and uh, hopefully we'll run into one another someday. All right, man. All the best. You take care. It's about pride It's about who we are It's knowing where we've been And how we've come so far From the colors that we find Down to all the reasons why We can't take away We know who we are inside Cause it's about Echo with the sound, the midnight ride of memories, 
forever haunt this town. Again, a big thanks to Henry Paul of the Outlaws. Again, they will be in Burgettstown, uh, just outside of uh, Pittsburgh, on November 11th, doing a show at the Pepsi Roadhouse. You can visit their website for information. A really intimate venue, really cool chance to see them uh, coming into town. And again, the new album, Legacy Live, out the same day. That's a two-disc uh, live album. All the hits and some really cool uh, stuff, even some new material like Pride from their latest album, which was out in 2012. So good chance to kind of showcase the material of the band and how great they sound live and and check that out you can visit us at ironcityrocks.com email us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com we're also on facebook twitter instagram youtube are all forward slash iron city rocks thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next time